Welcome to the Fort Lauderdale Primary Purpose Big Book Study Group Thursday Night Alcoholics and God Speaker Step Series. Uh, it's now time to have our joke. Hello, every whoa, all right. <laughs> Hello, everyone. I am uh, Joey, your faithful joke teller, um, and I have a joke for everyone. All right, this grasshopper walks into the bar, and the bartender says, "Hey." We have a drink named after you. The grasshopper replies, really? You have a drink named Steve? (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Joey. I'm an alcoholic. My name is Tom. Uh, Thanks for joining us tonight. In a minute, we're going to start our two-minute meditation. So please take a moment to get situated. Please turn off all devices that make noise, that uh, might or will distract others. Take this time to get connected to God. Let the craziness of the day drift away and ask God to help you stay focused on the step study tonight. Is everybody ready? If so, let's start the meditation.
time for the fog light prayer god let your love shine through me like a fog light so those who are lost sick and dying can find your love through me amen from the big book page 17 the tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution we have a way out on which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news this book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism. I've asked a friend to read uh, Appendix 2, Spiritual Experience. We read this because the main purpose of the 12 steps is to have one. So it's kind of important to know what one is. Hello, my name is Will. Spiritual experience. The terms spiritual experience and spiritual awakening are used many times in this book, which, upon careful reading, shows that the personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism has manifested itself among us in many different forms. Yet it is true that our first printing gave many readers the impression that these personality changes or religious experiences must be in the nature of sudden and spectacular upheavals. Happily for everyone, this conclusion is erroneous. In the first few chapters, a number of sudden revolutionary changes are described. Though it was not our intention to create such an impression, many alcoholics have nevertheless concluded that in order to recover, they must acquire an immediate and and overwhelming God consciousness followed at once by a vast change in, in feeling and outlook. Among our rapidly growing membership of thousands of alcoholics, such transformations, though frequent, are by no means the rule. Most of our experiences are what the psychologist William James calls the educational variety because they develop slowly over a period of time. Quite often, friends of the newcomer are aware of the difference long before he is himself. He he finally realizes that he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life that such a change could hardly have been brought about by himself alone. What often takes place is a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. With few exceptions, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource which they presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves. Most of us think this awareness of a power greater than ourselves is the essence of spiritual experience. Our more religious members call it God consciousness. Most emphatically, we wish to say that any alcoholic capable of honestly facing his problems in the light of our experience can recover, provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual concepts. He can only be defeated by an attitude of intolerance or belligerent denial. 
we find that no one need have difficulty with the spirituality of the program. Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery, but these are indispensable. There is a principle which is a bar against all information, which is proof against all arguments, and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. That principle is contempt prior to investigation. Herbert Spencer. Thank you, Will. Uh, please refrain from disturbing others by talking or constantly getting up and sitting back down. This is a tech-free meeting, so set your phones to airplane or meeting mode or just uh, turn it off. Now uh, is uh, Joe. This is his eighth session. Uh, I missed uh, hearing him speak last week, so I'm extra excited this week to hear him. Uh, every time he speaks, like I always say, it's a 20-minute hour. Uh, with that, here's Joe. All right. Good evening, everybody. Welcome. Oh, I'm always doing that. You know why? Because I, I do that the Wednesday night study group. I, I lead in with a secretary's report, so I repeat. Hi, everyone. I'm an alcoholic. My name is Joe. It's great to be here. It's an honor to be here, and I uh, want to thank Michael and his crew for staging this thing every week, week in and week out. Goes, a lot goes into it. Thank you. And um, we've been talking about some great stuff. We, you know, we, we began, what, eight, eight weeks ago? And uh, we've come to some conclusions in the beginning. And uh, we've conceded some things. So I like to say in the first couple steps, we actually are in the act of realization. And the reason I say that is because you, you hear many people think that simply admitting to this thing is, is complete. Where it, will give you the, where it will give you the sense that you own this thing, this diabolical beast, this death sentence, Right? That it lives within your skin, and uh, not just uh, you know the, the the problem is not necessarily stopping. We've stopped a thousand times. It's staying stopped. It's not. It's being able to stop starting, and uh, that's our problem. Right? It centers in the mind. So it's a mental thing, and uh, you know the act of realization is uh, an act of figuring out or becoming aware, isn't it? I mean that's what the definition definition is in Webster's. And um, the act of realizing is the act of making it real. And you know, you really need a teacher for that, don't you? I mean, I did. I needed somebody, because I assumed a lot of stuff. As a matter of fact, I used to call myself a makeup artist. Still am to some extent. I made up everything. Everything that I, inter- everything that I, that was coming into my five senses, I was making up what I thought it was and what I thought it meant and how I thought I should apply it to my life. Well, that's dangerous, and especially in this situation, and that's what, exactly what I did for 16 years, going in and out of AA with an alcoholic mind. doesn't matter how many, how many gaps you put in between, how many times that you stop, stay stopped for a little bit under God's grace before you do any changing or program work, and then get loaded, and nothing changes in between. You know, the in-between is always the same method, strategy, and approach, isn't it? And uh, so I needed a teacher, and that teacher came into my life in 2002. And there's another part of my story, which I'll get to in a couple of meetings from now, but 
um, everything that I began to learn from this man was completely contradictory to what I had already learned. As a matter of fact, it, it, uh, it didn't make any sense to me. Um, you know, it's like when he told me, the way you think it is, Joe, just isn't the way it is. I said, what are you talking about, John? I felt insulted. Like, why would you say that to me? I see the th- same things you do. I hear the th- same things you do. I, I taste, I touch, and smell the same thing. I'm drawing the same conclusions off the same things you are. He says, yeah, but I interpret them dip- differently. I perceive them differently because I have gained the sixth sense. This spiritual vision, this access to power, this thing that I had never realized in my life. I had no idea. I was completely closed off and choked off from the, from the sunlight of the Spirit. The sunlight of the Spirit is simply that gaining that access through this work, right? It's the inventory, take, you know, identifying the problems, identifying the brokenness, what's broken. And there were a lot of things broken. And then confessing that and doing a deeper dive and not just going into the harm, but going into the hurt. What did I do to other people mentally, emotionally, and spiritually besides materially? Materially is just like the, you know, it's, it's a material thing. It's just, it's stuff, right? I mean, it's, it's the act of that's violating. But what does it do to the relationship? Well, or either it goes from nothing to a really bad one or it goes from a somewhat okay one to a really bad one. I mean, nothing good can come of it. Nothing good can come of uh, staying the same and um, just going through life, like it says in the book, like a tornado roaring through the lives of others, right? Relationships are dead. It's just, it's, we create such incredible baggage. So, you know, through this, Four and five, we we start to reveal. We start to get things revealed to us that the way we thought things happened and who the blame should be on, that that changes, doesn't it? Matter of fact, after the fourth step, is really it it describes a first personality change, where we can even where we can actually take uh, take credit for what we did, not credit, but take responsibility for what we did and see that the the the, that the uh, that the harm was created and bore by me, right? I made decisions based on self and later placed me in a position to be hurt. It's vital that I go do that and I do it uh, in depth because when I'm, when I'm doing this, I am preparing myself. I'm going, I'm going through the preparation without realizing it to become the man that will be received on the other end when I do eight and nine, right? What are we going to talk about? So it all begins with the decision I make. So the decision that I make in three is not just a sincere daily attempt to become who I can be, to change, right, and have them receive somebody different. But in this process, I'm removing the things within me, and I'm getting, I'm getting those things cleaned out so that my relationship with God will be better, Right? It will be better with them. It'll be better with God. It'll be better. It'll be better all the way around. I'll become freer. I won't be so weighed down by guilt and shame and remorse and fear. We're, they're crippling. They're paralyzing. So, the I mean, I didn't know this was going to happen in the in the beginning. For sixteen years, I never heard that kind of information. That would have been pretty striking to me. 
And I would have said, you know what? That's insanity to think you can get like that because you are the way you are. I was so committed to it because I was convinced of that. That I didn't have to change. I didn't want to change. But I certainly recognized that I did need to change and I had no idea how to do that. You know, Silkworth said, entire psychic change. I told John, I said, how do I get one of those? Imagine. So um, I thought what I knew was everything I needed to know to be successful, to have ease and comfort in my heart, to be, no bur- to be less burdened, to have you know, relationships be better. I didn't even know it was really important in a relationship. So all what I'm saying here is that everything that I've learned, I could have read this book and not gotten but maybe 20% of what they were talking about. You know, I was reading a book that was written in 39 through 19 or 2000 um, to eyes and, and heart and, and filters, right? So it didn't make sense. There were words in there I didn't understand. There were concepts in there that I didn't even see. There were contexts in there that I had no idea existed. I didn't know what the essence or the, the, uh, the, the, um, the message th- that, these, that these founders expressed. I had no idea that they were even there. So I guess I say all that to say this. If you're doing this by you know, yourself, you're not going to win at this thing. You're going to lose, Right? And uh, you're, you'll, you'll, you might get something, maybe a little bit of relief, but it's not a matter of if you're going to relapse, it's when, given that kind of instance. Because listen, if I continue to think the same, I'm certainly going to feel the same. The feelings and emotions come after the thought, depending on what I'm thinking, right? I feel I, I get this emotion, and then I take an action based on that feeling and emotion. And guess what? Guess what's next? The result. Well, I don't think any of us came in here real happy with our results. Right? We were devastated. We were at the end of the road. Death was more attractive to me. I mean, it really was. Then John showed up. And amazing things started to happen because I don't know. You know, it's kind of like the perfect storm where you never really wanted to have a sponsor. I mean, I don't know about everybody else out there in the Zoom world and here, but... You know, I didn't really want to sponsor. I didn't want to follow directions. I didn't want to submit to anybody. I didn't want to be obedient to anybody. Why should I? I'm a grown man. Be obedient. Right? Like, there was a structure set up and a method and a strategy that was very uncomfortable for me. And as we get through this, as we move through it, all of a sudden we're doing four and five, and we're seeing who people got when I showed up on a scene. What What was motivating me? You know, what was, I, what was the game I was playing? What was, what was I looking for in any relationship, whether it was just an incidental or a brief encounter or a long term, like one that I'd known with my family? What was my intentions in that relationship? Well, I can tell you this. It was always wanting something. And it didn't matter if it was just emotional support, comfort, acknowledgement, Applause, validation, right? I wanted to be, if I wasn't looking for money, I wanted to be stroked in some way. So what I, would, what I did was I would posture myself and I would perform in a certain way with that individual 
to ensure that I got it. Well, that's that's being a you know absolute fraud. I found that out when I did four and five. I found out the violations that I committed. I found out the brokenness that I committed. I found out the relationships that I not only had broken, but the relationships that they had with others broke because of me. I'd be a thousand miles away or in jail, and they were still agonizing and having me as that dark cloud, that that toxic subject that my other siblings would get in arguments about what my parents were doing or what they wouldn't do. It was a constant, constant toothache. I mean, it was a real bad thing. And uh, so their health, their spirituality, their mentality, their peace of mind, their freedom, their bond. I was was their bondage, right? I was the guy that was pulling them all in my direction for absolutely no good. And that's, you know, that's what we do to people. Maybe not to the degree I did it. But I had to make amends for that. I had to figure out a way to become somebody that they could even believe me. Right? I had to know how to make an amends. I had to know how to lead in with amends. I had to know how to be uh, to, 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 to extend a, uh, a request for an invitation to make the amends. That's appropriate. You take somebody's you know, time and effort and given what I did to them, I'm just going to show up and say, hey, I'm sorry. Forgive me now. Or going with the attitude, you know, I'm, I'm cleaning on my side of the street and I don't give a damn what you get. A lot of people do that. A lot of people do that. We should be concerned, personally. Yeah, I'm there to clean off my side of the street, but I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the guy that needs to go and relieve them of the burden of Joe Bear. That's what I need to do. And hope in my heart and pray in my heart and let them know that, you know, I'm not there for forgiveness. I wouldn't forgive me either. But maybe someday in your heart when you see the consistency and you see the sincerity and earnestness of my actions, don't listen to what I say. Listen to what I don't say and I don't do. And let that be your guide. Let that guide your heart on whether you forgive me or not. Right? I mean, that's really all we can do. And then God takes care of the rest. He just does. So um, I didn't want to be incomplete when I got into 8 and 9, and that required 6 and 7. 6 and 7 are the, are the beginning of transformation. 6 and 7, as it says in the book, this is a step that separates the men and the boys in 6. Being willing to give up that guy that was destroying everything. That guy that I was the day before I got here. Because that guy who I was the day before I came in, he was absolutely certain to get drunk again. The, you, you didn't have to put a... There were no odds. It was 100 to 1 in your favor that I would get loaded again if I stayed that guy. How do I know that? 16 years of evidence. I have proof. I have facts. I've got dots that I've connected that ensure that if I stay him, I'm a dead man walking, without a doubt. And if I stay that guy, I'm going to take myself out. I don't want to live anymore. I don't want to be part of life anymore. I don't want to destroy lives anymore. And I told you many times, I hated who I had become. I hated myself, right? 
So John told me, he says, Joe, if you knew what I knew about you, you'd be excited as hell. So what are you talking about? That's not the, that's not the thing that you normally hear. He knew what was possible with God. My family knew what was possible with God. Most of the people that I, I knew, some of them, they hated my experience. They hated their experience of me. They hated me for the experience. For, they hated my experience to them. But they held out hope. They hold, they hold it in their hearts, the people that love us the most. You know why? Because they know what's possible with God's hand. They just do. And that's the same thing for us. I can never do it myself. I didn't have a roadmap. I didn't know. But you know what? I made up a strategy and a, a method and an approach every single time. And it was the same one. I was running by my playbook. My playbook didn't involve any of this. It involved maybe a show of more uh, consideration, a little bit more respect in doing what they say to do in order not to get kicked out of someplace. Or, you know what I mean? Uh, not to, so I don't have to suffer severe consequences, financial consequences. My mantra was always, I'll, I'll pay them back when I get the whole amount. Like, I, would, I, never, I never had the, the, the heart or, 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 or wherewithal to say, you know what? <clears throat> I really, I really want to, I got to pay this back. My, my philosophy was, like with creditors and all those people, I would say, you know, I owed five thousand. I owed one hundred fifty thousand dollars in debt when I got here. So the people that I owed, you know, five thousand, six thousand, I didn't tell them. I just said to myself, I my intention. I wanted to hear my intention. This is my intention. Everybody, I'm going to pay them back. Of course, I'm going to pay them back. But I'm not going to pay them back until I get the money. What a selfish thing to say. What a this is just BS, isn't it? And you that and what has what that what that will produce for what it produced for me was I got drunk. As long as I avoided making amends, this the, this phase, the amends phase, I got drunk. If I didn't take care, I didn't take care of things. You know what I mean? Maybe an old girlfriend. I tried to do that so I could get back in bed, but that was it. You know what I mean? It was all calculated. So last week we talked about six and seven. And it says, this is a step that separates the men from the boys. Why does it say that? Well, it took me a while, right? But you don't get catapulted into manliness or womanhood or anything like that just because you're at a specific specific step, right? It said it separates the men from, separates the, the condition of a boy, the mentality of a boy, the feelings and emotions of a boy, and separates, it, it separates that person, that individual, from somebody that thinks clearly and manageably. Right? That's committed. That's, on, that's, that's develop, really sincerely trying to develop integrity in his life. To be on time. To be your word. To be consistent. Keep agreements. And keep, keep my contracts with people. Right? I didn't have a word when I got here. None. I had no word. Right? You wouldn't have called me you know, on a Tuesday saying, hey, I'm getting in at 3 o'clock in the morning. Can you come pick me up? And then I would say, I'll try. And then what would you, I mean, if somebody said that to me, I'd say, next. <laughs> Never mind. You'll try. John said, try to pick up this dollar. And he drew, threw a dollar on the floor. And I went like this. And he said, no, no, no. 
I didn't tell you to pick it up. I said, he said, I tr- try to pick it up. Try is another word for excuse for not doing something, right? It's a nice intention. Just like made a decision to turn my will and my life over to his care and not do any work behind it, not to do the fourth step immediately, at once, launch, right? Nice intention, Joe. And man, I'm telling you, I was going around telling everybody, please think I'm a nice guy. Please think I'm stand up because all of these intentions were so, you know, really. And they're just saying, that's not what you did, though. That's not who you were, though. So no integrity was ever to be found or uh, developed. And he put me on that road, right? He says, you know, he says, you want to you wanna be trusted? You want people to keep their word with you? You better keep your word with them. Because, Joe, it's all you have. All you have to give another person is your integrity and your heart. That's it. And how do you do that? You keep your agreements. You keep your commitments. You don't waver. And if for some reason you're running up against it and can't keep that commitment, you call that individual and renegotiate something else. So 6 and 7 was all about this development phase, right? I like to say it like this. It's like step 1 and 2 is the realization. The act of making real rather than just admitting something conceptually. Either I have it or I don't, right? Based on the information in the first few chapters. And then step three is the submission submission step, isn't it? Made that decision that God was going to be my director. He was going to be my boss. He was going to be my principal, my God, my father, right? Amazingly enough, I had to put it in visual terms for me. I had to get out of God's throne from running my life because... A Martian could have come down from Mars and said, you don't have nothing with God. Every decision you're making is you. Like, you are your God. Wow. I never looked at it that way. So I had to get off the throne. I had to, I had to put God in his rightful place. Creator, creation. Father, child. Master, servant. However you want to look at it. All those things for me. He had to become my everything. And the only way to do that is to make a decision to do that, right? And then what's nice is I I didn't have to make anything up. (laughs) John says, you don't got to make nothing. It's all written down in a playbook that will guide you to one of the best places on earth. And that's called freedom. Freedom of bondage. Freedom of having lowercase gods that you're serving day in and day out. Just in an attempt to have them think you're a somebody when you feel like such a nobody. Wow. So, you know, the, uh, we do the investigation in four, we do the confession in five. And then in six and seven, is, I look at it as purification and transformation, right? You know, back in a long time ago, back in the, just after medieval times, maybe even during that too, I heard a story one time, it was told about uh, silversmiths, the way, they, the way they did silver, where they had made silver, right? And what they would do is they'd go out and get the, or people would bring them all these, you know, raw materials, 
A lot of it looked like garbage. You know, a lot of it looked like, you know, rock and stuff like that. And what they would do is they would heat this smelting pot, like this huge smelting pot, and throw it all in, all the impure stuff, right? And as it started to boil, the silversmith would come in every now and then and ladle off the crud because it would come to the top and ladle off the crud. And every now and then he could ladle off the crud, right? And the only time he would realize that it's pure silver is when there was no more crud to ladle. It became pure silver. God does that with us. Through the steps, he's refining us. He's putting us through the fire. It's uncomfortable. Nothing we do in this thing is comfortable except 12-step work. You know, teaching sponsees, doing that kind of thing. That is, that because that becomes our comfort zone, doesn't it? But boy, I tell you, when you get here, it's like they're sticking us so far outside the box, it's, it's like being on skinny branches of life, right? Like you go over a cliff and there you catch a little skinny branch. And God's always saying, let go, let go, my son, let go. And you look up and you say, is anybody else up there? You know what I mean? It's like dependence creates independence. Reliance is not defiance. All these little sayings. Well, you know, God comes in and ladles, us, ladles that crud off. First, we've got to get it to the boiling point, and we bring it all up in four and five. And six and seven is where God allows us to be committed sincerely and earnestly to the desire to change. And when we do that, we know there's no possible way I know how to get me there. I don't know how to get to the next place. I don't know how to get to be that guy. So what they say is, first of all, you have to be committed to change, right? Became willing to have God remove all these defects of character. You put him in, he's in control. He's our, he's the man, right? I mean, he's the boss. And then in step seven, because we know that it's not humanly possible to eliminate your own defects. I don't know if you've ever tried, but it's, it's not easy. That we humbly ask God to remove them. And in order to humbly ask God to do anything, we have to have God in the right place. We have to have God be God. And we've got to be us. We've got to know we're incapable of becoming whole without him. How do we get ourselves whole? Right? Happily and usefully whole. So humility is this clear recognition of whom what we've really become, isn't it? Where do, we, where do we do that? Well, we decide to do it when we do step four and five immediately, right? That's the clear recognition that we get. And we get, we get this picture you know, of brokenness. We get this picture of defects, inconsiderate, fearful, dishonest. I was a habitual liar when I came here. I didn't know how to tell the truth. We, you know, we're selfish, extremely selfish. We don't care about anybody else as long as, unless they, unless I have to perform for them so they'll give me what I want from them, right? And from those four core defects, branch off all the other ones, the envy, the greed, the pride, the coveting of others. And it's just ego, ego, ego. It's, it's all part of this explosive thing that happens in our lives when we start living in addiction, and supporting 
our, 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 our habit as paramount to anything else. We step on the toes. Of, we crush them. doesn't matter. And you know, they, we don't get what we want. If they expose our BS, we toss them away like a piece of garbage. Well, I, uh, I was alienated from my so-and-so. I, yeah, we had, you know, we had this uh, disagreement. I know what those disagreements are. They look like, no, I'm not going to give you anything today. And World War III, resentment is born, right? I'm not, they, they get the game eventually. They get tired of it because they hear the same old thing. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Well, we establish what we, uh, how to make the amends by the work that we do in 4, 5, 6, and 7, right? We know what to make amends for effectively. We know what to say I was wrong in. Not I'm sorry for, I was wrong in. I was wrong to steal from you. I was wrong to violate you. I was wrong to put you through that kind of emotional torment. To put you in that fear and distrusting place. I was wrong. And God, I hope that you can forgive me in your heart just someday. I don't look for it now. So we're in this refinement process, right? And, you know, as God's going, taking us through this thing, and all of a sudden we get to, uh, through step nine, right? Before we're halfway through, God's going to look down at some point following that as we continue to seek as we continue to implement this design and 10 on a daily basis we decide to implement it every single day because we're on a different footing and a different path and a different relationship with everybody at this point God will come and he'll look in that pot and he'll see him how lucky are we wow I mean is there anything better than that not to me there's not Nothing on earth is better than that for me. I have something now that's intangible, but is the most important fact of my life. Matter of fact, I'm going to read it. I love that. And central fact simply means that it is central in my life and central, central at top of everything else. Nothing, nothing coexists with a central fact in your life, right? And uh, my book's in a thousand different pieces, so let me just see if I can go straight to it here. Hold on. Okay. The great fact is this. No, I'm going to read the whole thing. It says, when therefore we were approached with those, John for me and probably John a lot for you too, Um, were approached by those with whom the problem had been solved, had recovered from a hopeless condition of mind, thus recovering from the hopeless condition of the body. Mind's got to come first. It says there was nothing left for us to do, but there's nothing left for us but to pick up the simple kit of spiritual tools. Now, listen, I'm sure if it was meetings, it would say meetings. Fellowship is crucial. We're in fellowship right now. But it's to talk about this message, isn't it? Right? The, the, uh, um, the whole essence of, uh, hopefully, what meetings, what the content are. I know that varies. There's different types of meetings. 
But the content, hopefully, is always the same. And that's a solution type content, right? I mean, it's a, what, what, it doesn't serve anybody to talk about the problem. We're all masters at the problem. I was a master at the problem. I didn't even want to know about the problem. I need to know about solution, the way out. So it says, and, and like, because there really isn't anything but left for us to do if we're going to recover, right? Is to pick up this set of spiritual tools laid at our feet. Remember when it says in the, in the preface of the uh, 12 and 12, it says the 12 steps are a group of, are, 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 the 12 steps are a group of principles, spiritual in their nature. So, in other words, the essence of, the result of the step is the incorporation and the, the harboring of that principle. And their spiritual principles, spiritual in their nature. In their nature, right? And which if practiced as a way of life, can not only expel the obsession to to drink, but enable the sufferer to become happily and usefully whole. My God, nobody was that when they got here. Many people still aren't. There's people in AA who've been here for a long time. Don't even come close to that. Because, quite frankly, and this is just a this is just an opinion, but I think probably a very small percentage of AA has really reached the pinnacle of spiritual recovery. This emotional recovery they talk about. This place where we're liberated from the problems of this world. Where the chase is over for anything of this world. We're comfortable with what we have, not uncomfortable with what we don't have. We're not chasing stuff anymore. We don't need to be validated by other people anymore. We would just like to hear at some point a little heavenly whisper saying, Well done, good and faithful servant. Right? Well done. Make God smile for a change, Joe. If you're making God smile, you're making everybody else smile. Unless you're a real hypocrite, and there are those too, right? So that's why I say watch the walk, not the talk. It says this, the great fact, it says, uh, it says we have found much of heaven, think about that, and have been rocketed into the fourth dimension, a fourth dimension of existence of which we had not even dreamed. What they're, say, what they're describing here is this, profound transformation that will result if we pick up the the kit of spiritual tools, get a coach and a sponsor and a teacher all in one, right? And do this work. It says this, we've, we've had this conversion, right? We've had this transformation, this caterpillar to the butterfly effect thing. Great facts is this and nothing less that we have had deep and effective spiritual experiences, which have revolutionized, our whole attitude towards life, toward our fellows, and toward God's universe. Our perception, our perceivers and our interpreters completely do a 180. Things that weren't important all of a sudden are most important. Things that were most important all of a sudden are not important at all. Right? I'm not what I have. The only thing we take with us when we die is what we give away. That's it. So if I'm accumulating, 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 and acquiring and acquiring and acquiring, it means nothing. It doesn't define me. It used to. Hey, I'm my car. Hey, I'm my tattoos. I'm my whatever. It doesn't define us, right? So I'm not even dreaming. The great facts is nothing less that we've had deep and effective spiritual experience was revolutionized our whole attitude towards life, toward 
our fellows and towards God's universe. The central fact, the central fact of our lives today, they're talking about those that have picked up the tools and worked them, the steps, is the absolute certainty that our Creator has entered into our hearts and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. He has commenced to accomplish those things for which we could not otherwise do by ourselves. He's become the director. He's become the healer. He's become the power source. I am so broken. Maybe not as I once was, but I'm still very broken. But I am made whole through this power. The ease and comfort that I get from the relationship that I have with God surmounts anything that I have ever had in my life. Anyone, anything, any drug, any drink, doesn't matter what it was. I was always looking for ease and comfort in you, in her, in it, in money. I had all kinds of lowercase gods. And I knew about God. I knew all about God. I mean, I, I didn't know all about God. I, 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 I was taught all about God. I had a pretty good education and upbringing. And I you know, said, okay, I'll be a Catholic for the rest of my life. And nothing wrong with that, right? But I never knew God. I never sought the vertical relationship. I never agreed to, attempt to, conduct myself in a manner that was pleasing and acceptable to him, ever. This is what that all is, right? So as I reveal all these defects, I had to put a, 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 I didn't have to do anything. John told me what to do. I didn't ever question him. I I honored him. I, I, uh, I idolized him. I just, you know, he was a champion, a, com- a master communicator, a champion of the book, a great, and a st- great student of the book. He, that's all we did. We'd get together, we'd listen to good, you know, godly music. He had a place in the ba- built in the back called Wits End. You remember that? He called it Wits End. I think that's uh, Dr. Bob's little house or Bill's house or little shed or something like that. That's where he got the name, Wits End. This is where my wits will calm, right? And we'd play music. He is such an advocate and such a such a, a transformationalist, but he knew the techniques. He knew what what enhanced the experience. Music, meditation with music, right? And it can be any kind of music, but typically it should be a good message music, not like you know, heavy metal rock, and I mean, some of, I don't know, I, I, some of the music today, I, I can't get calm, but, um, and we would go out there, and we'd listen, he'd go do big book seminars all over the country, I, I, I carry a suitcase, I didn't care, I wanted to be in, I wanted to be with him, the central fact was his too, right, the central fact of our lives today is the absolute certainty that our creators entered into our hearts, and lives in a way which is need miraculous, now listen, he doesn't do that for nothing. We're demanded to participate in this change. So 6 and 7 is not just asking, going, okay, glad that's over with. Hope you do it for me. No, no. What's the display to this God I'm falling in love with, who I know has kept me sober and removed the obsession and, and given me a recovered mind? What? No greater gift on earth for this guy 
What is the display to him, the commitment and the display to him that I really, really do want to get closer to him, that I really do want to grow into the image and likeness of, his, of my creator? Well, it means that I have to have a plan. And John told me it's all about preparation and execution. Six and seven, prepare and execute. In the morning, I've got to decide that at this stage of the game, my, my, uh, my uh, decision to turn my will, which is my thoughts and my life, which is my actions, the area that I'm going to turn over to God's care is language today. I'm going to decide to turn over my lust today. I want him to take away my lust today. I want him to take away my greed today. I want him to take away my pride today. I want, you know, I want, I want, obviously I want, it's a prayer, it's a beseechment, right? But I know I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to get moved in those little subtle moves, those, and, and get, get uh, that, those, those godly whispers where I'm thinking about stuff I never thought about before, and it's right stuff. And I'm thinking about doing things that is not going to lead me into trouble, but going to lead me into helping others and, and, and being a better example. It's all about becoming someone that when people see me, hopefully, diligently, as I work, when they hear me, they'll hear God. When they see me, hopefully they'll see him. Because it's all about becoming his reflection, isn't it? How do I glorify my God? I do the best I can to be the example that, he think, that I think he wants me to be. <clears throat> Does it always happen? God, no. Lord, no. Mm-mm. No, I'm still broken. And as soon as I get up in the morning, if I don't decide to turn my will and my life over to his care by whatever I'm going to be doing that day and elicit his support and need his counsel, right? If, if I don't do that, what am I working on? Self-will. It's, there's only two domains, self-will, God's will. That's it. There's no in-between. <laughs> and if I'm in self-will, I'm disconnected. That power source has to be nurtured and cultivated and sought. It says he's come to all who have earnestly sought. Well, how am I seeking today? Well, I got some defects that need to be, that I need to be focused on intently. With purpose. And here's the kicker. John told me, he says, listen, you're going to find some guys in here that are walking the same path as you. Most won't. Most won't be on fire for what's possible. They'll be committed to whatever they're committed to. He says, you look, you, those people, you got, get a handful of them that will stand for you in a way that matters that means they're going to tell you when you're not showing up right or when you're do, when you're you know they'll acknowledge when you are you give them your vision what's your vision who do you want to become i want to become like you john i want to, i want to have integrity and responsibility i want to be somebody that can be counted on and that will trust me for my word that i'm going to keep my word and i'm going to help others as best i can right so my guys, my little cast of characters in my preparation and execution have full authority, full permission to call me out of my doo-doo. Then they will. It's a, it's a, listen, there's no greater stand you can take for somebody's life than to not sell out on them. Not go there, there, there. Yeah, you'll be better. 
What do you, you know, she's, she's really good looking. You know, I wanted to go ask her for a day. You know, not that kind of stuff. Stay focused, Joe. Stay focused. And when I'm not focused and I'm getting off and I'm not like operating with the power source, you can see it. It's very evident. I'm just being, you know, the fallen me, the sinner me, right? Somebody you wouldn't want to be, hopefully, the cast of character. They wouldn't want to be that guy either. So they call me out on my stuff. And I give them that permission. My sponsor, uh, Pat, John's past, but Pat, Michael, if you tell me there's something off on me, you need to call it to my attention. Because listen, that's going to have an impact. And if I'm not committed to that, that, the, the right behavior, I recommit to them. I have a verbal commitment to them and, a, and a basically a silent contract with them. That I'm going to be, that this is the vision, and I'm going to work every day to accomplish that. Now listen, how do you do that? Hmm. Well, it says when, you know, you, in step 10, it says, do the design, Joe. Do, do four through nine. I mean, take inventory. You're always to be monitoring your, where you're parked, right? Where am I parked? Where is my focus? Where is the, 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 the highest percentage of my thoughts, Right? If I'm not on the beam, then I'm probably going to get hurt, right? <clears throat> if I fall off the beam or choose not to get up on the beam, I'm going to probably get hurt or frustrated or resentful, right? So um, I take inventory. It says when look for selfishness, self-centeredness, resentment, and fear. When these crop up, Right? When these crop up, talk to somebody about it. So there's four and five. We ask God, we, 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 we uh, I'm going to read it to you. <laughs> the bill was much better than just about anybody I've heard say it. And I know we've got one minute to two minutes left, right, Mike? Now this is step 10. Step 10 is steps four through nine. It's actually the the implementation of the design that I have incorporated in my life step by step. The spiritual principles, right, that are guiding me now, guiding my thoughts. I got, as you work a step and you say just the first step and you incorporate honesty, and it's easy to do when you read this information, you'll see that it would be imperative for me to be honest elsewhere and everywhere, right? Well, if I'm if I incorporate honesty, then I don't lie anymore, right? I mean, that, doesn't that make sense? It's like you're not going to incorporate honesty, and then be, you don't want to be a hypocrite, right? I mean, you don't want to go go out there and, and lie your butt off, and and you know, be honest about being a drug addict or an alcoholic. That who you know, a lot of people you see him in AA, you see him walking around, and uh, you say, my God, you know, it's great that you admit you're an alcoholic and an alcoholic, but it's like. You're the same person who walked in the door. You're just not drinking. That for me, I did it many years. Led to a relapse. Led to me getting drunk, right? So when these crop up, we talk to, some, talk to somebody at once about them. We commit to change, which is six, committing to change. Being willing to have God remove these things. And then seven, asking him for help. The humility in seven is all about knowing that I can't do it without him. It's, as they say, a sincere desire 
to, be, to do God's will or a sincere desire to be who I can be, right? There, there's definitions, multiple definitions in here, and I'm going to close with this. It says, um, a, a sincere attempt to become who we could be. Doesn't it say that, right? In, in, hum, in the definition of humility, a clear recognition of who and what we really are followed, followed. Once they do that, isn't that amazing? That's four and five, and then I follow it with six, seven, eight, nine. To become who I can be. It also says it's a sincere, a sincere desire to do God's will. Like my heartfelt desire. Like it's not just a one and done, or I'm doing it on a, on, a, on, a, on a weekly basis, or I'm being kind every now and then. No, it's a desire to do His will, to become who I can be, to develop into that person that He created me to be. Now listen, freedom is, be, freedom is here. Freedom is happening as we do this. And people are getting help. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's like we come in grounded, we can't get off the ground. Gravity completely adds us. And by the time we're done with this thing, we're soaring like frickin' eagles. Because you see that God wanted that all along. But he absolutely let me suffer under the crushing weight of self-will. Nothing happened in my life that was circumstantial. It was all authored by me. But I know God's will now. And... Uh, I don't know it, I'm, I'm, I'm developing into the person, right? It's a constant exercise, isn't it? Because you want to. At first it was a have to. Got to go to me. Listen to my language. Got to go to me. I have to go to me. I got to get with my sponsor. I have to go to, I have to, go to work tomorrow. What a grudge. Life's a sentence. Now, it's I get to. I get to develop this relationship. I get to help other people. I get to go to work. I get to do these things. Thank you. All righty. Thank you, Joe. I learned a lot there. I'm sure everybody else did too. Um, let's uh, thank the speaker one more time. Thank you, Joe. That was great. Um, all righty. Now it's time for our alcoholic uh, secretary and his report. Um, well, hello everyone. My name is Joey and I'm your recovered alcoholic secretary. Hello. In keeping with the seventh tradition, which states that every group shall be fully self-supporting, the baskets are now going around. Uh, a friendly reminder, baskets will go around in here for everyone in the Zoom Facebook land that, um, aren't able to go to flesh and bone meetings a lot. Um, if you go to aa.org or, um, AA Broward, uh, or your local intergroups, uh, go online. You're able to contribute online now. So it's a great way to give back to this beautiful program. It's an awesome thing. Um, so, yeah, please do that. Never forget the the vid has affected everyone, especially AA as a whole. So they could definitely use your help. Um, at this time, I've asked um, a great man named Will to come read the recovered statement. Uh, we read this uh, here at this meeting just to remind everyone the difference. Um, many of us introduce ourselves as recovered alcoholics, so we're going to have Will uh, specifically explain what the word recovered means. Uh, thank you. 
recovered. We are not cured of alcoholism. Recovered but not cured. That presents a conflict to some alcoholics. If we were cured, we would be able to drink responsibly. No, we are not cured. The allergic reaction to alcohol will remain with us for our lifetime. But we have been restored to sanity. That was the problem. The main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than in the body. We are now sane where alcohol is concerned. Consequently, we have recovered. Thank you, Will. All right. 1940s-style big book sponsorship from the forward to the second edition Alcoholics Anonymous. Of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried, 50% got sobered once and remained that way. 25% sobered up after some relapses, and among the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. What we've seen, felt, come to believe, and experience is that God has not changed over time, and neither should the sacred approach back to his loving arms. The statistics above suggest a 75-plus percent success rate. All right. Um, At this time, I'm going to ask for a show of hands of all you recovered alcoholics here. And in Zoom, please pop those hands up. Um, Now, um, anyone needing a sponsor? No, no, no. No one in here. Anyone anyone in the Zoom or Facebook world? Um... Please reach out to anyone you've seen with the, their hands raised. Um, well, I guess Facebook would be weird. You can't do that. But if you know someone, just pop your name in the group uh, The group of some. We'll try to figure that out. You know, uh, God works, you know. Anyway, so, yeah, please uh, do that. Um, we have a Monday night meeting. It's a great time. Big, we're the big book. Uh, it's a big book study meeting. The big book comes alive. Fellowship starts at 630. Big book. Study starts at 7.15, the actual meeting itself. Um, it's a great time. Please please come on in. Uh, 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 announcements. Um, the next person taking over after the great Joe Bear will be um, the lovely Isabel f- from Jersey City. Um, good old Jersey. Um, and that will start January 7th. Very excited about that. So, um, yeah, more to come. We're keeping this um, the God train rolling over here, um, so we're very excited. Um, another friendly reminder: go to your local intergroups where you can pick up some CDs, mugs, large-term big books, little red books, and big book dictionaries for sale to help make you the best sponsor on the planet. Um, all right, and uh, it's not a contest though; we're doing it. Help out anyway. You get it too. Uh, we meet every Thursday here. Um, Promptly at 7.15 with the Fellowship 6.30. Hope you guys are enjoying that illustrious, beautiful slideshow presentation uh, depicting the, the history of this great program. Um, um, so remember to, to come in early to enjoy that. We ask you to be courteous and ready to begin at the sound of the bells. Thank you all. See you next week. All righty. <clears throat> Thank you, Will, for reading. Thank you, Joey, for the report. Um, so we have uh, tonight's session and all the past speaker podcasts online for free at alcoholicsandgod.org. Uh, I'd like to invite everyone to our Monday night big book study once again. And those who wish to uh, thank tonight's speaker, please line up down the center aisle. Uh, so let's close tonight with the Lord's Prayer after the prayer. Oh, yep. Okay. 
moment of silence followed by the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. See you all Monday or next Thursday. And Godspeed. God is heavy. Our soul is thirsty. God is aching. Can't get you right It doesn't matter
photos and sounds and oh when you smiling when you smiling When you laughing, when you laughing, yes, the sun comes shining through. But when you crying. Sighing, baby, and be happy again. Yes, indeed, I'm smiling.
Chase, here's that song you've been asking me for for a million years. I finally pulled it out the pulled it out the corners of my mind, and um, here you go. See the light. 
lessons when I go to sleep at night and I dream now. song is. God bless. I love you, Mike Chase. Bye. I think you know this one, don't you?
Just won't say 